KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, September 15th. A health expert urges San Diegans to get their COVID boosters. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Under legislation signed by Governor Gavin Newsom yesterday, county judges will soon be allowed to order treatment for people suffering from addiction and severe mental illness. Newsom says the Care Corps program is a paradigm shift in addressing the state's homelessness crisis. The program aims to connect people with services before they end up in a hospital or jail. But civil and disability rights groups have compared it to forced treatment. The ACLU of Southern California said it plans to file a legal challenge against the new law. Seven counties, including San Diego, must start the program no later than October 1st next year. The rest will follow by December 2024. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department announced the 16th in-custody death this year. A 56-year-old man was found unresponsive in his jail cell at the George Bailey Detention Facility in Otay Mesa on Tuesday. Jail staff performed medical aid, and the man was transported to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. The cause of death is under investigation. It appears come January 1st, Stores will not be allowed to sell flavored tobacco in Chula Vista. The city council voted unanimously Tuesday night to approve the ban, but it still needs a second reading before it's finalized. The city will follow Solana Beach, Encinitas, San Diego, Imperial Beach, and the County of San Diego in making it illegal to sell flavored tobacco. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. The chief of the World Health Organization has said he believes the end of the COVID pandemic is in sight because the organization has seen the lowest death rates since March of 2020 worldwide. But he did caution we are not there yet. Dr. Eric Topol with the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla says the WHO announcement is premature. doesn't go along with the data. You know, we're still, the deaths around the world are still 35% higher than uh, their lowest point in the pandemic. We have one-fifth of the world's deaths, even though we're only 4% of the whole world population. So we're not, uh, as a country, uh, as a region, uh, in such a great state yet. I hope we'll get there. He says getting the new COVID booster shot is key to getting there. The new booster approved by the CDC last week targets the highly contagious Omicron variant. Tobel spoke about that with KPBS's Jade Heinemann. So first things first, what are your thoughts on this Omicron-specific booster that was just given CDC approval? Yeah, we've been uh, able to get it here in San Diego for at least uh, the last 10 days or more. Um, And, you know, the fact is it's the only booster now. 
so you can't get the original uh, strain this one of course is combination of the original and uh, the BA5 spike uh, there's two different types the Moderna and Pfizer the Moderna has a, a dose of the BA5 of 25 micrograms. Um, Pfizer has 15. And so it's really important that people keep up with boosters. So if they haven't had one uh, third shot or fourth shot, uh, it's essential that they go forward because we know it provides uh, more protection. And we're still got plenty of BA5 um, uh, out there. This, this virus is really a tough one. So the main message is um, boosters whether they're going to be better against BA5, that's the hope, but at least they're going to be as good as the boosters have been throughout the, the pandemic. And so that's why the big message here is if you haven't had a booster and you're more than four to six months out from when you were getting your uh, earlier shots, please go ahead and get one. Do we know how long this booster is expected to provide elevated protection against the Omicron variant? This is really important because there was some messaging uh, that we might go for annual shots, but we don't have any data that gets us more than four to six months out from any of these shots. This one could be different, but we have no clinical data for the new booster in terms of will it prevent infections, transmission, how long will it last? Uh, these things won't be available, this data, for at least a couple few months. So uh, it's early, too early to know. There's no reason to think the boosters will work any less than prior ones, but uh, to, to expect a lot more against such a tough version of the virus may be too optimistic. With flu season right around the corner, health officials are also encouraging people to stay current on their flu shots. Uh, is it safe to combine this and the new COVID booster? Well, it's safe, but I don't know if the timing is the same. As you know, really, uh, the COVID is not so seasonal and flu is. So if you get a flu shot now, uh, it's a bit early for the flu season. You can, I mean, obviously they're available. Whereas if you haven't had a booster six months, um, it's it's important uh, at this juncture to get one. So it's hard to make a, a, the sink here. The only thing would be is if you've had a recent booster and, and you, you know, October, November is uh, when you start to see really the flu season get into higher gear. We don't know what it's going to be like this year. Flu vaccines aren't nearly as effective as the COVID vaccines and boosters. But if you're going to get one, uh, this might be a little bit early. Uh, and so trying to get them both at the same time, it's safe. And it'd be good to kind of uh, get a twofer in some respects. But uh, it may not be ideal timing-wise uh, at this particular uh, point in September. That was Dr. Eric Topol. Director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Heineman. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department is investigating two incidents at Vista High School. One of them is described as a student-to-student -student attack involving members of the school's football program and Vista's head football coach is now on administrative leave. Video of the attack spread on social media. Students and community members held a protest at the school yesterday. Isadora Francisco de Hernandez is a mom in the school district. All of us as parents are suffering. He's not my son, but I'm suffering too because I have kids. Investigators have not released information about the other incident, 
only saying that it happened the day after the locker room attack. Allegations of online transphobic bullying brought protests from students at the San Diego Union High School District board meeting last night. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez explains. The allegations come from a group of LGBTQ students and their supporters. They accuse San Diego School Board Vice President Michael Allman of allowing and agreeing with derogatory comments made on a private Facebook group he created. A recent string of comments in the private group Families for Students First made fun of transgender students who use pronouns they choose. Mace Vemeister is a senior at San Diego Academy. Our board has shown that not only do they not care about student opinions, which they've blatantly said, but um, on top of that, they are participating in the behavior that harms our LGBTQIA community. In an online public post, Allman said everyone should be called by the pronoun of their choice without question, ridicule, or judgment. This is unequivocally what I believe, and no one should say otherwise. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Coming up, Encanto now has a Black Arts and Culture District. We'll have that and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. The Ocean Beach Pier is an iconic part of San Diego County's coastline, but it may soon be torn down and fully rebuilt. The initial steps to rebuild the pier started yesterday, with the city exploring cost and reconstruction options. Coy Bruins is the president of the Ocean Beach Town Council. Over the past couple of years recently, really kind of the past five, as the king tides come in seasonally, it's really battering away at the end of the pier, and so the city's been doing a lot of emergency repairs for a while. Over $8 million in state grants have already been set aside for the rebuild, but Bruin says the total cost could be more than $100 million. A loose timeline expects construction to start in spring 2026. The city is currently looking for the community's input on the project through an Ocean Beach Task Force. The San Diego Black Arts and Culture District in the Encanto neighborhood is taking form. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer speaks to locals about what the designation means for the city and its often overlooked black communities. Walk into the world-famous Imperial Barbershop and you'll find a chock full of paintings, photographs, and artifacts that pay homage to black history in San Diego and beyond. The shop sits in the heart of the recently designated Black Arts and Culture District in Encanto. We're wanting this community to actually grow. And, and grow, it means art is the foundation of most growth. 
Tau Baraka is the shop's owner, and the art isn't just inside. Its back parking lot features some of the district's largest art pieces to date. We actually have had artists come out here to paint certain arts about, you know, our expression of, uh, of where, where we at mentally and culturally. Art in the district comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors, says local artist Kim Phillips P. So I've painted a number of murals on this street and in surrounding communities. She was overjoyed when the district became official. I was crying, um, tears of joy, of course. And the reason why is just because we see in other communities, like you go to Chicano Park, you immediately know where you are. You feel the sense of culture, you feel the sense of pride. And so that is something that I've always felt we deserve and that we need. The new cultural district covers eight blocks along Imperial Avenue, including Marie Whitman Memorial Park. That same part of town once hosted summertime street fairs. And just everybody would come out here in this wonderful weather in America's favorite city and just enjoy each other. This park became the staple of that and we want to bring that back. That's Dehan Blevins, CEO of the nonprofit arts organization Urban Warriors. He says San Diego used to be known as Harlem of the West and he hopes it'll soon be that again. So if we don't do this on purpose, create an epicenter to where people can come in a common ground and see people who look like them, see hair that looks like this, hear music that speaks of us, you can kind of forget who you are. The Arts District is part of San Diego City Council District 4, represented by Councilmember Monica Montgomery Stepp. This is the district that historically has housed the African-American community in San Diego. This is the district that experienced the redlining. You know, this is the district where we formed community. The designation means funding to improve storefronts, enhance landscaping, and support small black-owned businesses, as well as adding freeway signage. Grant funding will be overseen by the San Diego African American Museum of Fine Arts, which is forming an advisory council to get community input. Gaidi Finney is the museum's executive director. A lot of times when people come to San Diego, they wonder where the black community is. I mean, many people have that problem. So having an area that we designate and we develop gives us that designation for people to have, you know, be proud of the area. Finney says the district will launch a website for the advisory board in the next two weeks. Phillips P plans to provide her voice and vision for the district's evolution. A little bit of everything from storefront improvement. I'd like to see infrastructure changes as far as driving down Imperial, um, beautification when it comes to just the landscaping, trees, definitely more murals, but we just want to see love poured into the area. Back at the world famous Imperial Barbershop, Baraka says he's already starting to see the community's economic growth and is looking forward to the healing that this designation can bring. You have to have a culture to build a community or it will always be a hood. You know, so the cultural part of it has to come, whether it's art, whether it's uh, 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 sports, whether it has to be something there that people can grab a hold to. And I believe art is like the uh, universal message for bringing people together. Right now, art is bringing people together at Marie Whitman Memorial Park, on the last weekend of each month, the park will be one of the first places in the district to see upgrades. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening. 
and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I.